Ducks fans, are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. The show is Mike Walters along with Eddie Richard. And we've got plenty of things to cover from the last two weeks. We have uh, Zegras and Milano teaming up for an awesome goal. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Torts's uh, comments and the fallout after that. We have the league um, shutting down partially. Uh, so we're going to go into that. Not really happy about what's going on there, but we're going to discuss that. And we're also going to talk about, uh, we found out the real cost of the Eichel trade apparently from Elliot Freeman, which was insane. And just talk about Ducks hockey and how it's fun and, and how they've been competing. We've got the road trip to talk about and then the last two games at home and tons of fan questions as well. So before we get started, just want to wish you all a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. This will probably be the last show we do for 2021. So you're looking forward to 2022, Eddie? I think all of us are. Oh, yeah. I'm ready to just uh, get through this year already. It's been a, kind of a rough month for me with everything going on and so I'm looking forward to a fresh new, a fresh new start to a new year. A happy New Year, everyone, by the way, too. So probably won't be able to wish you Happy New Year before the New Year comes. So I want to wish everyone Happy New Year and uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and hope everyone has the next few weeks uh, and enjoys their time if they have off or if they have to work. Just just enjoy the rest of the, the 2021. Yeah, absolutely. I hope, just like Eddie said, echo the same thing. I hope uh, if you have to work, you know, it's not too bad and uh, it slows down and uh, you can spend some time with your family and um, enjoy the New Year's as well. So, so let's get to what's going on with the Ducks. A lot of stuff happened in this last two weeks. The Ducks went on a road trip. They played pretty well. They went 3-1-1. One, and one. They had their first stop against Washington. Uh, the Capitals actually scoring first in this game. Uh, the Ducks battling back. Uh, it actually looked like the Ducks were going to win this game. They were up um, until very, very late. Of course, uh, the Capitals had to score. And, um, you know, it's just frustrating to see that they uh, got in there and, and forced this game um, to go, uh, you know, to overtime, basically. And the Ducks ended up losing uh after that i mean just frustrating they lost in the shootout i mean it was a, it was a hard fought game um terry scored in the shootout and so did raquel but uh they went five rounds and, and they just couldn't pull it out they got a point hard fought game but they ended up losing this one eddie it's it's not too it's not really too bad uh, you're playing against one of those higher tier i guess quote-unquote elite teams so just uh, them being able to kind of hang with them and get a point, uh, beating them the first game they played back in November 16th, and then go ahead and uh, hanging in with them again over here and just le losing in a shootout but still earning a point. I think that's something you can just hold your head up high and, and be happy with the outcome on that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so they, you know, they started off the road trip. You know, They got that point still, even though it looked like they were going to have two at the end of the game. Um, outshot the Capitals, out won the faceoff battle a little bit. And, uh, you know, not, not a bad game overall. Um, it, it looked like, you know, that they really were going to win this one, especially in the second period. The Ducks um, were scoring goals. You had Manson getting one. You had Milano getting one. Uh, Letary getting one. Um, and then that late goal by Carlson in a second. Otherwise, maybe the Ducks would have been able to pull out and, and won this game in regulation. But uh, they get a point. And then uh, the big game, of course, they go to Buffalo. They win this one 2-0. Uh, and the goal that broke the internet, basically, you had 
Zegers getting behind the net and passing the puck over the net to Milano. Um, and, and there's so many names for this goal. You can call it the Zegers goal. The, the alley scoop, I think, was the one that people voted for in the Ducks poll. Um, the dish again. I like that one. That was a good name. I, I thought that was a funny one. So a lot of stuff going on after this. That um, The Ducks won this one. Shut out Buffalo. Um, Stolarz was a net. Played awesome. Uh, Carrick got a late goal in this one. And the Ducks were able to pull this one out. And uh, what was it? Something like 50 million views, they said, for the, the Zegers Milano play. Uh, just amazing. Everybody going nuts on this for a while. Uh, exciting. You know, when I first watched it, Eddie, I wasn't really sure what happened. I, I thought when I saw it live, I thought when Zegers threw it over the net, I actually thought it hit the goalie and went in. Like, I, I wasn't sure if it, you know, hit the back of the head or the shoulder pad um, and went in. I wasn't really sure. It was kind of, I was like, what? It went in? Goal? Okay. And then you see the replay and you see Milano does the baseball swing and hits it in. And then I was all nervous because they reviewed it. Was it, you know, a high stick or not? And I was like, oh, man, if they, you know, we, we've been screwed. You know, lifelong Duck fans, you know, listening to the show, a lot of the reviews, it feels like we get screwed more times than not. So I was waiting for that. And then when they came back and said it was a good goal, I, I was happy. But, man, what what a crazy play. What did you think when it first happened and you first saw it? I was just confused, too. I, it, the, like, the play happened so fast, so it's like it's hard for everyone to actually kind of sit there and determine what happened. But once they slow down the replays and you get to watch it over and over and over and over again, it's... I think it was one of the greatest plays I've ever seen in hockey. It definitely is the greatest assist I've ever seen in hockey. And just got everyone talking. Like you said, over 50 million views. He had people that don't even like hockey. Uh, that actor Michael B. Jordan commenting on his uh, Instagram about the goal. So to like to, to spark that much excitement about hockey, you, you sh- you're having like, other fans that don't probably don't even watch hockey are kind of like, okay, what's going on? And, and who is this kid now? And hopefully it, it kind of opens up to new fans and it gets like, like everyone in the hockey world going and trying that. I, I, I bet you a lot of people that play beer league or play their, their kids play. I'm pretty sure they've tried that already. I tried that. I tried making that assist too. And over there at practices or warmups, we're trying that assist to see if we can make it happen. It's a really fun play. It's, it's something so different and he still creates, uh, creative in the way he uh, he plays the game. It's just going to be fun to watch this kid play for all those years and stuff. And uh, if you're a hockey fan or a fan of sports or just a fan of anything crea- creative, you should be excited about this goal. And, and Ducks fans should be, definitely be excited about Zegers. And hopefully we see more of this this play uh, moving forward and him breaking the internet again. But that was that was probably like one of the most attention that hockey's ever got in, in the last few years was uh, a beautiful assist like that. And we had uh, Gibby's underscore dad on Instagram asked, you know, is Zegers making it fun again? Yeah, absolutely is with this kind of play. Like you said, you have all kinds of people out there uh, trying to Im- uh, imitate it and, and make the same play. We just saw in the WHL that they scored a goal in the very same uh, fashion and everyone's trying to do it. But uh, surprisingly, somebody's not happy about this and that's John Tortorella. Uh, he came out and said that he wasn't sure if it was good for the game. I... I I, man, I, I don't know what's going on with this dude. He came out and said that, and then, uh, you know, he got backlash. And then uh, we're now calling him the uh, backtrack torts because he went on TV and then said, well, the media took what he said. 
and, and now it made it like it was him against Zegris. And apparently Torts called Zegris. He called Dallas Akins, you know, made sure he wasn't, you know, as negative, I guess, about it or whatever. But, uh, man, it's just irritating, man. Uh, Torts just really pissed me off this last, like, two weeks with his comments. I, I mean, it's like, what are you talking about, man? Like, you know, back in the day, we, we talk about old school hockey, and you and I are more of that mindset. But... At the same time, you've got to be able to look at different plays and, and change the game and make it more exciting. And, you know, back in the day, there used to be, um, it, it was just was difficult to score sometimes. We've seen those plays where Korea and Solani would get mugged and other star players, uh, Mario Lemieux used to talk about this too. And the league finally involved and, and let players have more scoring chances and more opportunities. And that's what I look at with this is an exciting play uh, that's, it's changed the game of hockey, made it more exciting. And I, you know, I just, I don't know what Torts is thinking, man, Eddie. I just, I just want to slap him in the face. I just, he just irritates me. I, I couldn't believe his comments that he said. Yeah, it, it was kind of weird. Like, I don't understand how anyone could say, especially hockey fans can say it's not good for the game. It's absolutely what the game needs. Yeah, I still love the old school mentality hockey. I love the hard hits, the fighting, all that. Um, I, I love it to death. But seeing players like this, I also love it. it. It was like I said, it was really fun to see, and it just got everyone talking. You had fans from all other teams stopping what they're doing just to watch this replay. You had just people like that don't watch hockey are talking about that, and having fun with it. You have, like I said, all these other people that play in all the, like various leagues they play in. They're out there trying it and having fun with it. This is great for the game. It was perfect. We got a lot of positive exposure through this play to the game of hockey, and that's exactly what we need. We, we need more of it and more people to start talking about the game. That's how the game grows. Yeah, that's one thing. If you notice with the Ducks, they've gotten a lot more attention uh, from the media because of this play with Zegers and Milano, and I'm all for it. Um, you know, the Ducks are, you know, considered small market team, right? We're kind of overshadowed by L.A. and whatnot, and this attention has just blown this team up. So... It's been exciting. You know, I, I like what's going on. Uh, Ducks have been battling it out. They've been kind of going back and forth between first and second place. And we've got some questions about that that we'll talk about later in the show. But uh, it's just total excitement. I mean, that play is fantastic. You just really, the only thing you have to worry about is the, the guy trying to hit it in. You know, just make sure you're not hitting it with a high stick. And I do think uh, players are just going to start defending this a little bit more now. So when Zegers gets behind the net... I think that they're going to try to rush him a little bit more and not let him do that. And I think what it will do, though, is create other opportunities because now what's going to happen is you may have the player uh, going around the side like Zegras and trying a backhand play or passing to somebody in the slot or something like that. So even though other teams are going to counteract this and try to stop it, um, unless they've got two guys on each side of the net and they both rush Zegers and, you know, I mean, he's screwed at that point. But if one guy comes from one side, he can go around the other side and make a play, Eddie. So, okay, do you see him uh, pulling off the Michigan this season? Oh, that's an interesting question. I, I, I think before this play, he probably would have. But now that everyone knows about this, I mean, like we said, 50 million views, you can't really hide this. I think it's going to be tough. I, I, I know he's going to probably try it. Uh, and I think one of the, I can't remember, he did almost try it in one of these games where he, he got up on a stick and, and, and uh, didn't quite work. But uh, I, it's going to be tough. I want to see him do it. I think it would be fantastic. But I think after doing this play with Milano, it's going to be more difficult, Eddie. 
Yeah, I, I really hope. Like I said, I, I, I think he's going to try it again, too, a few times if he can get away with it. Uh, I really hope he nails it. That's going to be fun. But I, I'm looking forward to see what other creativity he has under his sleeve. I, I know he probably has a few other moves that, that he's been wanting to try. So I hope we get to see that. I know uh, every person that, le- that that follows the game of hockey and loves it is, is going to absolutely love seeing that except Torts. But uh, who cares what really he says? Yeah, exactly. I uh, Torts, I, I don't know. I, I think he's kind of butthurt, to be honest, because Milano used to play on Columbus. We heard about him uh, not letting Milano be creative. And now Milano comes to the Ducks. Him and Zegras are together, and they're dynamite. They're just killing it. That line, those two plus Raquel have been fantastic. Um, they're putting up points like pretty much almost every night. You know, they're just they're, they're the Ducks' best line uh, next to Getzloff and, and uh, Terry playing well together too. You know, we talk about chemistry, huge huge deal, right? Um, so I like what they're doing, and it's funny because the next night they uh, or next game they play Columbus Torts' former team. And the Ducks end up winning this game. Gibson was back in net. Some goals in the beginning. Um, you know, we see Zegers and Raquel score in the shootout. And then, uh, you know, talking about butthurt, uh, Columbus gets butthurt at the end of the game. They did not like Zegers. Um, his celebration, apparently, after he got that shootout goal. I don't know what was said or what happened. But they get mad. Uh, the Ducks still end up pulling this one out and getting two points. And uh, Columbus is just upset. At the end of the game, they didn't like you know whatever happened. I know they uh, scored in the shootout as well, and they went back and uh, uh, you know did the same thing. I guess when Zegras celebrated, uh, apparently uh, Vor- Vorsek did the same thing, and then you know it, it just kind of you know no fights, but they all came together at the end, and it and it made me think you know about the Zegras play from the game before against Buffalo. And I almost think, like, does Columbus just have the same mentality as Torts? I mean, yeah, Zegras scored an awesome goal in the shootout, and uh, he's excited. And, you know, I like, like, just like his reaction, too, after that play with Milano. They, they weren't sure if he was going to get the goal. They showed him at the bench, and then he's screaming all excited, you know? Like, I, I don't know. I, I just think Columbus, uh, I don't know. I, I think they're just sore losers, honestly. I, I mean, that it's the the game was still going when Zegers scored. It wasn't over yet. Uh, you know, Raquel was the one that then scored and put it away. But I mean, what did you think about that? It was just kind of weird. At the end of the game, you thought it was over. The Ducks won, and then all of a sudden, the benches are there and they're all yapping at each other and you know doing their thing. You know, planning their holiday parties, etc. Ha ha. You know, what did you think, Eddie? That's kind of crazy. You just you just don't think about Columbus and, and, and Anaheim having some kind of rivalry or beef at all. And then all of a sudden, there's a drama's happened because I don't know if Columbus is just used to playing boring style of hockey. So when they see any kind of creativity or nice goals get scored, they get all butthurt about that. But I think uh, we had the last laugh. We got the win, but we had the bigger laugh because Gibson, Gibson, <laughs> he wanted to just uh, wave him goodbye or wish him happy holidays. But it's going to be fun. Hopefully they bring that, I guess, that, that little small rivalry back uh, in April when they come to Honda Center to play the Ducks. be good to see a little rough game like that, and hopefully hopefully that's the game that Zegers pulls that Michigan move and scores a goal. Yeah, the, the ending was funny. You're right. When <laughs> Gibson, oh my God, when he did the little, like, the, the opening and closing with his glove and the wave, I was dying laughing on that. That was, like, one of the best gifts 
um, of the season. You know, just telling them bye. You know, uh, you know, next time. Um, I, I just thought it was hilarious because, you know, Columbus did outshoot the Ducks in this game. They're pretty even on the faceoffs. Uh, well, you know, hard fought game. Like I said, a couple goals in the beginning. Excuse me, and then nothing um, throughout the rest of that until the uh, the shootout. Um, I, I don't know. It's just weird to see that happen and then see them so upset at the end. It, it made me think that, that it just kind of echoed Torts and him being upset with the Zegers goal in the game before, so, or excuse me, assist to Milano and the uh, the game before. So the Ducks pulled out the win there. They ended up going to Pittsburgh. Finally, Getzloff came back. You remember he was out since November 30th uh, with a lower body injury. It looked like something like his ankle, possibly. Um, the Ducks play Pittsburgh. Uh, Gibson goes in net, and then <laughs> I don't know what it is. I, I feel like whenever Gibson plays the Penguins, it just doesn't go well. And uh, this was a goalie battle in this game. The Ducks lost one nothing, tight game. But Gibson got injured in this one, could not finish the game. Stolarz came in. Um, there wasn't really a whole lot to this game. You, you had McGinn scoring early for Pittsburgh, but pretty vanilla game. Um, there just wasn't really a whole lot going on. It was a you know goalie battle. I, I think the Ducks could have had a chance in this one. Um, you know, just it's just a close game that they ended up losing. This was the only game on the road trip that they lost to regulation too, because then they went on and beat St. Louis in overtime. But uh, I don't think it was a terrible game by the Ducks. I just it was just one of those where it was dueling goalies and the Ducks came up short, Eddie. Yeah, and that goal that McGinn scored was a beautiful one-time goal. So that wasn't Gibson's fault at all. It was just a, a perfect, perfect pass uh, and accompanied by a perfect shot. So you really can't blame him for that. Like you said, it, it was kind of plain. It, it kind of just, uh, it kind of took off where we saw uh, after the first period in the Columbus game, that, that game went pretty dry until the until the very end. So it kind of like translated to this game. So unfortunately, they couldn't get a goal. They, they, they couldn't get one pass. Uh, Casey DeSmith, and they took the loss. So um, still not a bad game. It, it wasn't one of those ones where you're on the edge of your seat and there's, there's it's just like you said, a nice dry fundamental hockey game and and it's, it's a big old goalie battle so if, if you're a big fan of the goalies too then you're seeing uh both of them make a, a lot of good saves yeah that's what it came down to. that's the kind of game that you like and you like the defense and the goalies that that was the game for you uh you know pittsburgh's my other team so i mean i'm not mad that they lost to pittsburgh but you know i, I would have liked to see um them at least get a goal and that was the only game that the ducks have been shut out in this whole season uh, the Ducks have been playing well offensively, so that that was kind of a, a shocker too. The first time that they got shut out, so um, they ended up then going to uh, St. Louis and finishing the road trip with a win. You had Buddy Robinson getting some action, right? You know, we, t- we talked about him a little bit before. Big guy, he he gets that first goal in this game. St. Louis comes back, but then Troy Terry, right? He's been killing it. Gets a goal in the third period, and then the overtime winner in this one. And the Ducks pull out the 3-2 win on St. Louis and go 3-1-1 on the road trip. Wasn't necessarily the best game the Ducks played, but, I mean, they did dominate the shots here. You know, almost put up 40 on St. Louis. Um, had, had some, you know, bad streaks here and there in the game. But uh, they ended up pulling this one out, Eddie, uh, thankfully to Troy Terry. Yeah, it was good to see Buddy Robinson get a goal. He hasn't scored in a couple seasons. Last goal came when he was at Calgary in the 2019-2020 season. So it was good to see him get a goal. He, he did the right thing. He just circled around and stood in front of that net. And they always say when you get in front of the net, good things happen. 
I, I believe too. I can't recall the last time the Ducks won a game in overtime with the uh, with the what's call it, um, the shootout, not shootout, not not shootout goal, but a a penalty shot goal. So that was kind of interesting to see in this game. Yeah, you're right because uh, Terry got hauled down, and then he was able to go in there and make a beautiful move and win this game and you're and you're right uh it doesn't happen that often it only you know it's only happened a couple times uh, yeah i i mean you had terry coming back uh in the third right to get the ducks uh the you know at least to overtime and then you have him winning it in overtime on a uh, penalty shot which like you said it doesn't happen that often in overtime so that was an exciting game for the ducks uh, like we said, it wasn't a perfect game, but they were able to pull out and get the second, uh, the you know, point in that when you know they could have got nothing the way it was going. So, like we said, the Ducks playing you know decent on the road. You you get uh, points in every game but one. Um, you only had that that shutout game against Pittsburgh. Not a bad road trip for the Ducks. And then they came home. They played two games. And they won one, lost one. They played well against Seattle. They uh, really built a, a good lead on them and took it to the Kraken. You had Zegras scoring early on. You had Derek Grant, hello, getting his second goal, which is good because he's had a rough season, as we've talked about. He got it shorthanded. Terry, again, getting his team leading 18th goal on the power play. Um, Seattle got one one goal, but then Carrick got one in the four, or, uh, for the fourth goal. And the Ducks were pretty much in control in this game. There wasn't really a whole lot that Seattle was doing. They did push back in the second period, but uh, this game was a good game for the Ducks, Eddie. Yeah, it's great to see a guy like Sam Carrick come in here and get a goal. He's career high uh, in all the stats that he has, including games played this season. So it's really good to see him kind of earning his his roster spot down in that fourth line and that bottom line. Uh, he's one of those players that uh, meat and potatoes kind of guy. He goes out there and gives it his all. He he battles really hard and he really he earns all the ice time and earns all the points and and all the ice that he gets out there. So it was really good. Uh, seeing Terry, I've seen Zegers score his seventh too is awesome. I just hope he keeps putting those goals and it keeps building up and up. We need him to start trending up to be that that potential superstar that we all hope that he can actually be. It's good to see him. Terry's his 18th. Uh, that that 20 goal marks is coming up. I, I don't know. Do you think he hits 30 goals this season, Mike? Uh, it's looking like a possibility. If this if the season doesn't lose any games or shut down, I, I think he can get to that that 30 goal mark, and that that's going to be really fun to see. Yeah, I, I think Terry can. I mean, if you look at it right now, he's got 18 goals in 31 games. Uh, I think he can. Um, you're still looking at what they played 32 games, right? He's been in 31 of them. Still got about uh, what 48, 50 games. That he's looking at there, I, I think it's very doable. Obviously, twenty for sure is in reach. I, I think thirty is a number that can happen. So I, I wouldn't put it past him, you know. And it's and it's great to see that line of Terry and Getzloff. I mean, they're doing their thing. Um, we got Comtois finally back in this game against Arizona as well. Uh, you know, it looks like the Ducks are, are getting back on track here, and. Um, you know they're playing well. I you know this this Arizona game was a little weird. It, this one was probably the most entertaining game of the recent games. I mean you had five goals scored in the first period. You had uh, a couple fights too. Uh, Carrick's unfortunately got an extra two minutes, which gave the Coyotes uh, a power play and they scored, which brought them within a goal. But uh, it was a wild game. I, I 
I know the Ducks lost in overtime, which is unfortunate because Arizona has been so terrible this season. But um, the issue here, and we've kind of talked about this before in the past, so the Ducks is you know playing at the level of your opponent. And after the first period, they played the, the style of game that Arizona was playing. They weren't playing their quick transition game and attacking. They were getting more into you know grinding and fighting and putting hits and things like that. And they actually almost survived the second period. They, they gave up... You know, one goal there at the end when Comtois almost scored. It, it looked like he was going to, you know, uh, break through there. And then, of course, how I hate how it always happens. You go down there, it looks like you're going to score, and then the other team comes down and scores. But that's what happened in the second period. Zegras, again, like you were talking about, he, you know, he gets a goal in the third. Um, they fight it out. Hampus gets a power play goal. He had a couple in this one. The Ducks' defense has been scoring goals like crazy this season. But uh, highly entertaining game, but it just this one was frustrating for me, Eddie. The Ducks, you know, they, they shifted gears in the second period, uh, took too many penalties too, and uh, they got a point. But I, I mean, if they would have just stuck with the game plan the first period, I think they could have, you know, gotten two points in this one. Yeah, I think you called it out the best. You said they kind of played down to their opponent, and that's what it seemed like they did in this game. It just it started off kind of crazy. A wild first period, but then they just kind of started playing Arizona's game and playing to their level, and they just didn't. It kind of backfired. You can't play like that. Arizona's not a good team at all, so you definitely don't want to even try to be in the same kind of area. It's play style as them, and it just kind of came back and bit them in the ass, and they ended up taking a loss to a bad team. They got a point, but it's it's still you shouldn't. A team like this, you should go out there in the way the Ducks have been playing. Should have been nice and easy, four one, five two kind of game, not. Not this close of a game, just to, uh, just to lose it in overtime. Yeah, and uh, Gibson came back. You remember he was out in that game against Pittsburgh. Uh, I think they said lower body injury. I'm not really sure what it is. I don't know if it's you know his uh, groin issue that he's had before or whatnot. But he came back in this one, and I felt like Gibson didn't have his best game. But I also felt like Manson didn't really have his best game either. He had some blown coverages there. They had some rushes that they gave up, uh, unfortunately. And it just didn't work out for the Ducks in this one. They, they played a little bit too irresponsible. So um, the, the way it's going right now, I mean, as at the time that we're recording this, the Ducks are tied for first in points. You have the Vegas Knights that are all, all of a sudden, they're on a five-game winning streak. So they're, they're both tied at 40-40 in terms of points. But uh, some of you were asking about that. You know, like, what, what do the Ducks look like? You know, uh, we had uh, Ryan Tunstall, 039 on Instagram. He asked, you know, what will the Ducks' final record be um, in standings this season? And, uh, I, I mean, I think the Ducks have a good chance. You look at Money Puck, they have the Ducks uh, almost 74% to make the playoffs, 35% to make the second round, 16 for the conference final, 7% for the final. So I think the Ducks are in a good spot. I, I think, you know, we're, we're just coming up on halfway in the season. Uh, they're fighting out. It seems like they've been in first and second here for a little bit. I, I think that they will finish in a playoff spot in the Pacific. Uh, grant, you know, some epic collapse or something like that. But it's really a question of them, uh, you know, making it and then seeing how far they will go, Eddie. That, that's what I'm looking at here. I, th I think the Ducks are a team that will make the playoffs. Could maybe get into the second round, just like the, the Money Puck stats are showing. But... Uh, you know, I, I don't know if they can get past the second round, at least with the team that they have right now. Yeah, we have a lot of inexperience, and it comes playoff-wise. Uh, when playoff happens, you know, teams will just turn it on to a whole new level. The physicality 
is brought up to a whole different level. And I don't know if the Ducks can sustain that to make it to a Stanley Cup run. Yeah, you're right. I see them making the playoffs uh, either second, third in the Pacific, or at least at minimum a wild card spot they'll go and make. Um, we've seen it before how collapses happen in the second half of the season with the Ducks. So uh, it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case this season. They seem like they're playing a whole different style of hockey than they had the last few seasons. So I do anticipate that a playoff uh, come. But then, like, my question is, yeah, it's awesome to see your team make the playoffs. But, like, do you really want them to make the playoffs if you know they're not going to make it past the second round or, or, or not even the first round? And then and kind of what happens there? We're just kind of back from square one. And uh, and then what happens next season? Do, do we go out and, and pick up more players? We have uh, we have roster or we have spots to contracts that needed to be either we're going to trade out and get some kind of assets for them, or we're going to go and go and offer them extensions. Do you want to go that uh, kind of like that way with this team, or what kind of team does this uh, our, our GM or our interim GM wants to build, or are we going to have a different GM come next season? And what's his like outlook and what future that he wants for this team? So there's a lot of like unanswered questions that need to be answered before you even start uh, talking about trying to like, compete or bring in people to make a really deeper playoff run than the Ducks are uh, projected to make. You bring up a good point, too, and we had a fan question from Thomas.CAVICC. Uh, you know, he talks about that trade deadline. Are the Ducks buyers or sellers? Is it too early to tell? And to me, it is too early to tell. I mean, the big thing is we know that Solomon is the acting GM right now. But we don't really know the relationship between him and the owners. When the trade deadline comes up, what kind of leash are they going to hold him to? Are they going to let him like do what he wants to do and you know make moves and stuff or not? And we've talked about Raquel, Lindholm, Manson, right? The, the, the big three that they've got to figure out what they want to do. There's plenty of rumors out there too about trading Gibson as well, which... I wouldn't have thought was possible with Murray there because you know you know how much Murray loves Gibson. He also loves Manson, right? But Murray's gone now, so I, it seems like a, a lot of stuff can happen with this team. That there's an opportunity to make trades if you don't resign certain people and, and maybe make this team a, even more of a, a type contending team. But I, I think there's just too much up in the air, Eddie. Like you mentioned, I, I don't know what they're going to let Solomon do or not do come trade deadline. Yeah, exactly. And then you have to start thinking about other teams are going to do. You have a team like Vegas that's getting Jack Eichel back. Obviously, they're going to have to make some moves to make kind of a, their cap hit unless they're going to put players on IR and kind of Tampa Bay lightning it. But it's going to be uh, come trade deadline, there's going to be teams that are going to bolster up their roster that, that want to go and make a full run. Vegas has, has already done that, and they look like they're going to be a dangerous team once they get all their pieces back together. Can the Ducks really compete in a, uh, in a you know first, second round kind of playoff style hockey against a team like the Vegas Golden Knights, especially when they, they start getting hot? I know they have some questions in net with Robert Leonard and uh, with his play late, but I mean... For the, once they the, the, that team starts getting hot, once they start clicking with Jack Eichel and they can see what he can bring and his superstar status can bring, that whole team's going to be dangerous. And, and like I said, the Ducks have to figure out and the ownership has to figure out what they want to do as far as GM-wise so that GM can start building the kind of team that he wants so he can he can make those Stanley Cup runs and he can build a team that, that can compete with these higher elite level uh, style of teams. Yeah, and that's also what uh, Instagram user uh, AVVN.S asked, you know, what's it going to take uh, to compete with elite teams? 
And, I mean, I think the Ducks can. I mean, if we look at the numbers here and what's going on with this team, right? We got Comtois back. We still have uh, Henrique out, unfortunately, from his injury in the game in Calgary. But uh, the Ducks have most of the players back, right? Still waiting on um, Jones as well. You have Terry's just going crazy, right? 18 goals. Uh, the defense has really picked it up this season for the Ducks. They've scored 23 goals here in 32 games. You have Shattenkirk with six goals. Lindholm with five. Fowler with four. Drysdale Manson with three. And then uh, Benoit and uh, Mahura with one each. But, uh, uh, you know, the, the defense has helped out. Um, special teams we've talked about. The power play, 26.7%. Fifth in the league. Penalty kill, 855 fourth in the league and they're averaging 3.6 goals per game you remember last year they could barely get two goals per game um they're doing really well uh their pucks possession numbers are kind of iffy they're Corsi four and Fenwick four both just below 50 and the 49 percent so not not horrible but not great so i i think part of it is the lineup you and i talked about for them competing with elite teams i think the top six is looking pretty good right now um for the team and i i like what i'm seeing overall I think if they can stay healthy, I think that they can compete. Um, should they go out and get someone else, you know, to, to, to try to make it uh, more of an elite team? I, I mean, I, get, I guess, but I, I don't know if getting one guy, uh, offense, defense, whatever, is really going to make this team uh, go, you know, be elite. I, I think to me, a little bit of it's time. If they uh, keep gelling the way that they are, uh, you know, you see Comtois getting a rhythm with him back now, his hand sealed up. You know, that's that's probably why he wasn't playing as well in the beginning. It's hard to, you know, grip that stick and get a good shot and whatnot. Um, I, I don't know. I, 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 think, I think the Ducks are trending definitely in the right direction. It's fun to watch their games. Um, yeah, they've lost some here and there, but it seems like they're in every single game no matter what. So I think that they can compete with elite teams right now. I just don't know if they can beat an elite team in a, a seven-game series, Eddie. Yeah, and it, it, if we want to compete with these kind of teams, especially in a playoff atmosphere, these players need to elevate their game come that playoff time, or they need to start elevating that game uh, each and every week and, and to kind of get to that that level that that we want them to be. Terry needs to keep doing what he's doing. Zegris needs to put, put a few more points uh, on the board and elevate his game that way. Come 12, uh, he's back. He's healed. He, like you said, he needs to get that rhythm back like he had last season, be that, that dominant force in front of the net and start uh, start racking up those points, getting those goals. Uh, we have Jones hopefully coming back soon this season. Um, hopefully he can make an impact with his physical play. And he starts putting numbers on the board too. And, and everyone just has to just kind of rise up to the uh, to that that level of expectation. And that's how they can compete with these elite teams. Like you said, at best two times, time is going to do everything for this team. If they keep jawing the way they're doing, and they keep trending upward, and they keep having fun playing hockey. It just, they're going to keep getting better and better. These stats are going to improve. And it, it's a big, significant improvement on the special teams play. And that's another thing, too. And When they get those those power play opportunities, they have to keep bearing it. You know, Keep those numbers up. Keep scoring those goals, letting those teams pay. Because that's what's going to kill you in the playoffs, too. If you can't put any uh, pucks into the net on the power play... Uh, th that can come back and bite you in the butt. And that can really be a determining factor of beating a, a highly skilled team uh, like Vegas going in a seven-game series. If they take any penalties against you, but you're making them pay all those times, they're pretty much giving you free goals, and, and that's going to come a long way in the playoffs. And I think another part of it, too, that, you, yeah, the special teams play is huge like you talked about, but it's also the Ducks playing their game. Uh, we saw what happened in this Arizona game. 
before this you know break, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But they played fine in the first period. I mean, yeah, Carrick got that extra penalty from fighting, and they and they gave up that goal in the power play. But then they shifted gears and started playing the other you know team, the Coyotes. Uh, style of play so if the Ducks play their game and don't get wrapped up into the opponent's game I I think they have a really good chance Um, and if they do want to make a trade to try to elevate this team to another level uh, you know when you're looking at certain players on this roster like who I would trade uh, a couple of them come to mind Uh, Sam Steele is one of them that I would look at trading I, I don't I just don't, for some reason, think he's really fitting in the Ducks system. I, I think he's a, a great guy. I just don't see how he's working out right now. He's not really contributing as much as we kind of expected him to. Um, you know, I think he's one to look at. I think Manson's another one. He, you know, like we said, Arizona he didn't have a great game. He's been off here and there. Uh, I would like the Ducks to keep Lindholm. I mean, this the guy has been phenomenal and solid two-way player. I, I wouldn't want to trade him. Raquel, Raquel's kind of a question mark. If you want to move him and do something, because we talked about last season how his value was so high. And the problem now is, even with all three of these guys, Raquel, Manson, Linnell, if you're talking about trading them and trying to get someone else to make the team um, better, well, they don't have that extra year on their contract like they had last year. That was something that would have helped them move these guys. But they're all UFAs at the end of the season. They all have big contracts. Um, you know, you got Manson at $4.1 million. Uh, Lindholm at 5.2 and Raquel at 3.8. Um, so that's another thing that they're going to have to consider is, is, you know, I think a lot of the pieces to this puzzle is what are they going to do with the big three? Are you going to try and keep all of them? Are you going to try and trade all of them or whatever? I think it's somewhere in between. I think you try to keep at least one of the three, maybe two of the three, and then you trade the third is what they're looking at. And, and maybe you do um, go try to get someone else. So, so Manson's one that I would look for. Um, Sam Steele's one too. I, I just don't think he's been working out the way he has uh, on this team. But uh, another one, maybe too, is, is um, maybe Silverberg. But he's going to be kind of hard if you're going to look at that because he's got his modified no trade clause. So I, I don't know if you're going to be able to, to get him going because, uh, you know, I like Silverberg as well too, but he hasn't quite been doing it as, as well as we would expect this season. So. Uh, there's some there's some players that the Ducks can move and do some things with. I mean, if they really want to trade Lindholm, they could get a really good return on him if they wanted to do it. I don't think that they should, but I mean, if you're looking to try and get some dynamite player that's gonna, you know, score a lot of goals offensively and everything, but if you trade Lindholm, then um, I mean, you're what are you gonna do on the defense? You're you're kind of shortchanging yourself there. So a lot of decisions, Eddie. I, I mean, I don't know the exact answer going forward. I, I think that they can make at least one or two trades come the trade deadline to, to put them in a better position. The, the opportunity is there. But uh, like we talked about before, what, what's Solomon's role? I mean, he's the uh, interim guy right now. I, I mean, is he going to be the permanent guy or not? We don't know. So I don't know what the owners are going to let him do. Yeah, and, and the whole thing is, too, with Manson and Lindholm, uh, we saw how uh, how much of an overpayment and how uh, how much money these defensemen got paid, these UFAs uh, got paid signing their, their contracts. So it's not going to be easy for the Ducks to, to come in there and try to get them that hometown discount when you're having some comparisons or, or you know, you have Lindholm, I think, is, is better than, I want to say, I'll say he's, like, Kind of comparable to Seth Jones, maybe. Seth Jones hasn't had his best play hockey over there in Chicago, but it's just 
they can get like, more of that money on the open market. So it's going to be up to them if they want to stay in Anaheim, which they have their whole career. So I can I, I can see kind of a discount. But how much discount are you going to offer and how much discount are they going to really take for them to stay? And then if you don't make that decision by trade deadline, you have a risk of losing them and not getting anything in return for it. You, if you, let's say you kind of wait to the offseason and you end up losing Raquel, Lindholm, and, uh, and Manson and you don't get anything in return. That's going to be a huge blow. And, and that's... Whoever's GM in that spot right there, that should be an instant termination right there. Just giving up three players and you're not getting anything in return for it. So that's going to be some big decisions to make. It's going to be not not some easy ones. I know a lot of people won't be happy with those like decisions when they're made, but as long as they uh, they contribute to the you know to the Ducks and make the Ducks better in the future, or we get some assets to make the Ducks better in the future, then that should be the number one priority. Yeah, the Ducks have cap space too. You look at cap friendly. You know they're showing eighteen million right now. So I mean, they could bring these guys in and you know extend extend all of them if they wanted to. If they didn't want to make any moves, and they want to keep all three. They they could do that. <laughs> I mean, it might be kind of tight depending on what what the ask is going to be, right? They've they've said that part of the issue too has been the value of trying to retain these guys and how much they're going to cost. So, I mean, I, I I think two out of three if they can keep would be good. And then, like you said though, they got to do something though. If they're not going to bring any one of these guys back at the end of the season, they're not going to work it out. Then they they need to trade them and get something in return. It's just unfortunate right now because they're rentals, and unless they're going to agree to sign on another team, um, you know, you may not get as much as you could have got for them last season. And that's why we were kind of hoping that they might have done something then, and they didn't. So the Ducks are in a really uh, precarious position here coming up to the trade deadline, trying to figure out, um, you know, what they're going to do. And I think a lot of it centers around these three guys and what they want to do and then also it centers around gibson too a lot of talk keeps coming up about him being in trade rumors you have stolars who's been playing very well for the ducks you have dostal that's been waiting in the wings too are the ducks willing to trade uh gibson i don't know if they are but if i'm the ducks i would entertain offers on gibson i would want to hear what people have to say if they've got some kind of you know um crazy offer that they want to give him um let's see i mean gibson's still playing well uh you know he's he's always got those injury issues here and there which a lot of people harp on but i mean you're paying this guy 6.4 million uh, you know to what 2027 i believe or 2028 whatever it is and beyond i mean he's got this contract for a while now if um you want to free up more cap space and keep raquel manson and lindholm that's another option i'm not saying you do it but I'm just trying to play out all the things that you got going on right here. If there's interest, right? Because we've heard before that like the Penguins were interested, uh, Buffalo was interested. There's other teams in the past, right? Edmonton. There's been a bunch of teams in there. So, what do you want to do? Uh, do you want to trade Gibson and roll with Stolars and Dostal in the future, and then keep Raquel Lindholm and Manson, or do you want to keep Gibson and then work out with those three guys? I mean. There are some options with this team. It's a very interesting situation. I, I, If I'm the Ducks, I would at least entertain offers on Gibson. I'm not saying move him. I, I don't know if that's what I would want to do. But if you can get a really awesome deal for Gibson, 
that would allow you to bring in some kind of uh, offensive player that you're looking for or someone else that can help this team. And then you can avoid this mess with these other three and you can keep them or trade one of them or however you want to work it out. Um, I, I would look to do that. So I, you know, I don't know. I am like, I feel weird about this trade deadline coming up because there's going to be this break in February, which we'll talk about. It's probably not going to be as big of a break as we think, but leading up to the trade deadline, there's so much uncertainty with this team. The Ducks are vastly improved this season. They're playing way better than before, right? They're scoring goals, over three goals a game. Last year, they could barely get two goals a game. Special teams play has been awesome. The defense is scoring. Um, yes, the Ducks are a little bit inconsistent, not always playing 60-minute games. Um, they're fun to watch. They don't have Murray over there. Uh, you know, They just seem a lot looser and having more fun, which is great. So I'm excited about the trade deadline. I just, man, I want to know how it's going to work out, but I just don't know. I, I mean, there's there's just, there's things that this they can do, um, but I'm with you. I, I think the worst case scenario, Eddie, is they don't bring back Lindholm, Manson, Raquel. They let them all go, and then boom. And then you're right. If you're the GM and all three of those guys walk and you don't get anything, you don't resign them, you don't trade them or anything, then that that would be the worst situation in all of this. Yeah, and I would hate to see that. That that would that, that I'd hit a blow to the Ducks. I, I wonder, like, I wonder if the Ducks organization, when they went ahead and finally like announced this whole rebuilding phase, if management didn't think this issue was going to come. Like, okay, like we're rebuilding, so come trade deadline, we'll just like we'll be sellers and and get you know the most return for our players and and continue that that rebuild with with picks and stuff. But then the Ducks came out this season and they're just playing totally 180 from they have the last few seasons. So now you're putting different questions on management and and, and seeing what really this team is, is a fluke or not. I know we talked about that in previous shows, if the, the Ducks are the real deal. But it seems uh, this late in the game and, and how their play has been against uh, like even some of the top teams too, that they are pretty serious and, and they're ready to compete. So it's going to be more stress on them to figure out what they want to do with these players. Do you want to risk... Making a cup run, are you really that confident that the players on your roster can get you to that next level? I think it's it, it's not for the Ducks. It's a cup or bust, but we have to make it at least to the third round, uh, maybe the Stanley Cup final, just to actually feel some kind of like, okay, we, we didn't make it past this, this area, but you know what? We made it past the first two rounds. I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be enough validation for them to, to make that decision and keep the players that they have. Are maybe like like I was saying, they don't want to just run as a that area where you're going to take a gamble and try to re-sign these players in the off season and you don't really get anything in return. Or do you want to try to give them one year deals, all of them? I doubt they're going to want one year deals for another season because that doesn't really play in their benefit. But it's going to be really interesting to see, uh, especially not with with Murray this off season. I know the last few uh, not off season. I'm sorry, the trade deadline has been kind of. Uh, questionable moves by Murray's part, so we have someone else that's going to be in charge and, and making some uh, some of the calls. So that's going to be another interesting to see uh, how the Ducks take an approach this trade deadline. That's uh, they don't have Murray with them. Yeah, that's the part that's going to make the uncertainty right because now it's Solomon in there, and, and what's going to happen? Uh, how is it going to work out with him in there? And like you said, you know, signing one year deals. With these three guys, probably not going to cut it. They're going to want bigger deals. And, I mean, if you look at the way uh, Raquel and Leno are playing, uh, they're probably going to ask for a lot. Manson, I don't know. He's kind of been a little bit off here and there this season. So it, it's crazy times. Um, I think there's a chance to make this team more elite. 
Um, I, I am really curious if the direction is to move away from Gibson or not. And then Raquel Manson Lindholm, what do you what are you gonna do? So that that's where this team's at. I you know, for them to try to figure out what's going on. I, I like what's going on with the team so far. Uh I, I like the season. Yeah, they're playing a little bit down to some opponents here and there. Um, but we've seen them improve. Um, you know, they've even won some games scoring less than three goals, right? Remember that we were talking about last time the magic number three where the Ducks had to get three goals in order to win a game. Well, they were able to win some without getting three goals, right? They beat Buffalo and Columbus um, without scoring three. So they've been able to start winning some games and lower scoring contests as well. So a lot of uncertainty with this team. Uh, you know, exciting, um, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. And, and, you know, a lot of uncertainty with the league now, unfortunately. Um, you know, the Ducks aren't playing this week. They had three of their games canceled, or I should say uh, postponed, rescheduled, right? And, um, you know, to, going into kind of the league news and what's going on, um, talk about the Ducks and, and, you know, trying to figure out their team and what they want to do the rest of the season. Well, you, there's just a lot of question marks uh, coming up here. The month of February was pretty much open for the Olympics, and now the league decided to cancel about 12 games. Uh, between teams in Canada and the U.S. Uh, that includes the Ducks against Edmonton, which was supposed to be on the 20th on Monday. And then we had Vancouver later in the week on Thursday. They also already canceled that game against Calgary too this week. So they have all this that they're trying to figure out. And you've got teams that are shutting it down. Um, you know, Detroit sh has shut some stuff down. Uh, we talked about Columbus earlier. They shut it down. Montreal, Nashville. All these teams are shutting stuff down. And there's so much uncertainty. Um, some teams are still playing. Some aren't. And, you know, it's kind of irritating. I, I don't like this. We put out a poll question to ask you guys what you thought, if they should shut down for the week or not. We did a Twitter poll and a Facebook poll. Um, and the total votes on that, it's pretty much 70% of you said, yeah, you know, shut it down for a week, which I'm with that. I, I mean, I wish they would have kept playing and doing all the stuff, but with these these positive tests and all the stuff going on everybody's seems like the league's just kind of doing whatever they want and there's no direction right now you've got teams that are just like you know what we're just not going to play until after christmas and whatever so i feel like the league is really lost it's flying off the handles right now i just don't like what's going on they have the month of february open i mean they could take you know today's the 20th of december they could take today or tomorrow the 21st whatever uh the next you know five six days worth of games and shift them all into a week February. I know obviously there's other events, things going on. It may not be the exact same schedule, but they've got plenty of things to do there. And um, it's just kind of frustrating, Eddie. I, I mean, I, I think it's good that players get a break and they get to hang out with their family. But right now, some teams are and some teams aren't. And it just it seems like it's unfair, in my opinion. Yeah, it, it's so it's it's a big shit show right now. We're going on in the league. That's why I, I was one of the ones that said that. Yeah, I should just shut down for a week, reset everything. Get get everything kind of like more organized and not so like crazy and haywire right now. You have team like you said, teams are opting out not to play until after Christmas. You have teams that are st still be like having to play. It's just, it's just the whole league is everywhere right now. Uh, and now uh, you know I'm, I'm reading on Twitter and things like that that, that they're going to make an announcement or they're going to opt out of playing in the Olympics, which that's no surprise to me at all. I've said it in the beginning where the league didn't want the players to go to the Olympics anyways, and I knew when cold and flu season was going to hit, they were going to pump up the numbers. Our, 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 that's going to affect the COVID, uh, COVID tests and stuff like that, and it seems like it's doing that right now. Um, I, I can't see these players having the Olympics run. That I, I knew they weren't going to go 
I, to the startup, I just had that feeling, and it seems like it's going to come to fruition, and, and they're not going to play. So they'll have that, that whole month of February to go ahead and reschedule all these postponed games and, and go from there. But, yeah, I agree. I think you know, especially if you're not going to go to the Olympics and that's what re- you definitely aren't going to do, then you should just took the week off uh, from the whole league. A- everything resets. You can reschedule these games come February when you're not going to be playing in the Olympics, if that's the case. And then, boom, everyone wins. Maybe you guys kind of have different guidelines and, and things like that to kind of fix down and, and tone this number down where all these games aren't getting postponed. All these players are not are sitting out for weeks and uh, a certain, certain area of markets aren't playing because they're opting out until Christmas and, and kind of have some more kind of a, I don't know, like something more organized than it is right now. Yeah, because the left hand isn't talking to the right hand right now. You're, you're canceling these games, these cross-border games and whatnot. I get it, but now you have teams that are just doing what whatever they feel like. They're just like, yeah, we have a bunch of positive tests, whatever. We're not going to play till after Christmas. And nobody is on the same page. No one's doing the same thing. It doesn't make sense. I always thought, too, this is just kind of my opinion in life in general, especially, you know, working in like an office-type job and government jobs and stuff. A lot of, a lot of things shut down between Christmas and New Year's, so... Why not? You know, I mean, they usually get a couple days off during this time anyways. Like, screw it. Just make it a week. You know, let everybody uh, take a break. Spend even more time with their family and whatnot. Give everybody the same, you know, thing. And then recharge and figure it out in February. You've got, you know, these three, four weeks uh, with no games where you can at least figure this out. And I personally, I don't. To me, the Olympics are whatever. I, I mean, I, I get it. They were talking about some of this on the ESPN um, show and whatnot, which by the way, ESPN was terrible that last game against Arizona. Good God, ESPN Plus was horrible. But they were talking about this and and whatnot, and whether you would go or not. And some of the players were saying, "Yeah, I would still go. I want to represent my country," which I, I totally get. That's why if they could, if they still want to make it available, if they could do these games like in the beginning of February, right? and work it out that might be the way otherwise i mean they could push it at the end of the season but they've already extended out the end of the season that might be too much of a pain in the ass so maybe they um, do it in the beginning and still let players go i, I think they can still work it out but um it, i mean if they don't go to the olympics i i don't think it's a big deal but i i get it you know you want to represent your country you want to go there and you want to play I don't know what the schedule is, unfortunately, for those games. So I, that's another issue that may impact this. So I, I don't know how they're going to play with that. And um, just trying to figure this out. I mean, it's a, it's a weird situation that we're in because this stuff's going on. And like I said, certain teams are just doing what they want to do. So, I, you know, if I'm, I'm Gary Bettman, I would have been like, no, listen, this is what we're going to do. It's five, six days. You know, you spend it with your family. And then rearrange it. I know it's not the easiest to rearrange the schedule or whatever, but you've already gone through and, and postponed 12 games. So, I mean, you're going to have to figure this out. Anyways, you've already taken that initial step, but you're, you're not doing the full thing. You're half-assing it, in my opinion. So I, that, that's what I would think. I, I just don't like the fact that some teams are going to get a bigger break than others. And I, to me, I'm all about fairness, and I just don't think that's fair, Eddie. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. It's, it's definitely not fair. You're going to have teams that are, are, are more worn down than others. You're going to have more teams that are rested, and you're going to try to have these teams kind of cram into the schedule to get this uh, this done by April. And, and come play, if they're a playoff team, they're going to have to kind of cram games in and, and kind of figure that out and then try to make a playoff run. And that, that's not going to be fair to a team that just had more time off. They had that, that ability to go and play their regular season games without having postponements and not having to make up these canceled games or rescheduled games. 
So that's another factor that they should have to like determine is that the whole fairness and aspect of it, like keep everything fair, keep the integrity of it. It just it doesn't seem like it's that's that's happening right now, and it's that's the most frustrating part about it. It just it seems like it's so disorganized. Like you're just watch. I don't even know what you're watching right now. It's just crazy. It's just you know people that follow like every team. If you have your your fantasy rosters, I know like a lot of us on the Ducks and Pucks fantasy thing. It's like you're having all these players just postpone postpone it's just nuts it's just kind of crazy to see yeah and uncertainty is going to continue we'll find out what's going to happen with the olympics i'm sure they'll announce something soon um but we're just going to have to hang out i I, i'm curious to see what they're going to do too with the testing afterwards if you followed the other stuff that's going on Um, the nfl decided to change their uh testing they're only going to be testing people that are actually sick and the people that uh, the players that are not vaccinated. So that's where they're going with this. Uh, we had, uh, what was it, uh, Roska.David on Instagram said the, the, the protocols are ridiculous. Um, I think the problem with all this is just lack of information. I mean, we're talking about these tests and all this stuff's going on, but we don't know who's actually sick and who's not. I mean, that's a big problem here. It's like, yeah, there's, there's positive tests, but are people really sick? We don't know. And I think that's the issue, but I, I, I would think that maybe hopefully the NHL does something like the NFL. Maybe they uh, adjust a little bit, stop testing everybody 24-7 because, I mean, it most it seems like there's false positives. I mean, you know, you had uh, LeBron James, you know, love him or hate him. He was the victim of a false uh, positive. So that, that stuff does exist. So th- they're going to have to try and figure this out somehow uh, if it's something where people are actually sick and they test them. And those that didn't get the shot and whatnot, um, I, I would think that they'd have to do something to adjust because otherwise it's going to be a mess. I mean, even the NFL this last week's all screwed up. They rearranged the games and all that. Um, you know, they have the Rams game that was supposed to be Monday. Now that's Tuesday. They moved a the game from Saturday. They're doing all this stuff too. Now with hockey, they're going to have to figure this out as well. But um, I don't know. I, I, I just I'm with you, Eddie. I, I just think the whole thing is a shit show right now. Yeah, uh, and you know what, Mike? Like, what happens come playoffs too? If if this starts, the same thing is happening during the playoffs. You, if your teams with superstars and you're losing players left and right like this, then then how fair is that going to be for teams competing? Right. Exactly. I mean, what are you going to do uh, if if some guy is out and it's a false positive? Now, now what? I mean, I don't have the answers. I'm just saying. You know, this this is what's going on. It, it's a mess. It's a mess what's going on right now. So the league's trying to figure that out. Um, hopefully they get back on track. Um, you know, I don't know. I just enjoy this time off, I guess, too, for all of you out there. I mean, you're going to have this week off. You're going to be able to hang out, you know, no, you know, with your family, but no hockey. It's just going to be disappointing, but that's kind of the way it is. So uh, we'll just keep up to date on when things come out. We'll talk about more of that stuff. Um, the other thing that came up, too, in this last couple of weeks that was interesting was the cost of uh, Jack Eichel? I, I I don't know what what was up was you know what was going on with this, but um, Elliot Freeman was on one of the hockey podcasts and he was talking about it. And uh, apparently, Buffalo wanted uh, Zegers, Drysdale, and two round two first round picks for uh, Jack Eichel. Uh, and this is not even you know pre surgery or recovery or whatever. And I I mean. <laughs> I was floored when he said that. I was like, "Really?" I mean, and I and I saw some people's comments on there. Some of you said, "Well, hey, 
Um, at, you know, shoot for the stars, ask for everything, which is what Buffalo did. Uh, yeah, I, I get that tactic, but I mean, you're asking for two superstar players and two first round picks. I mean, you're really swinging at the fences here. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I just, when I heard that, I was shocked. And a lot of you out there too are like WTF. I, I, I don't know like what the heck was going on with this. I mean, <laughs> What, what did you think, Eddie? When I when I heard that and I listened to Elliot Freeman talking about it, and then even the surgery thing, because we knew that the Ducks were apprehensive uh, depending on what surgery he was going to get and the recovery. But even that, I, I mean, if Eichel's healthy and you're asking for the world, it's one thing. But here you don't know, A, what surgery he's going to get and B, how the recovery is, and you're asking for the world. That's why to me I was like, dude, you guys are freaking nuts in Buffalo. Hey, well, maybe they're trying to take advantage of Bob Murray's uh, drinking issue or something. Maybe I catch him on a, a drunk day, and he just says yes to that. But I, I talked about it, too, on previous shows with you, Mike. I said it's, it's going to take either Zegris or Drysdale, a first-round pick, and probably a roster player like a Sam Steele or a Raquel to get anything rolling like that. But seeing both of them and those two first-round picks, like you got to be out of your mind. You know what? Maybe the Buffalo GM was like really like, hammered at that time to make this thing, but... Yeah, like 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 one of the fans that shoot for the stars, right? Uh, this if if you catch a, a GM on a bad day or a, that GM thinks it's a good deal and he wants to make a, a, a kind of immediate impact right away, then it, it could have happened. It, it would have been one of the the worst trades in, in Ducks history if this whatever went down because you can't lose two potential superstars and and on top of that, two first round picks when you're ready committing to a rebuild. So just you had to stop and think these two first-round picks would have been a higher, you know, I, I want to say top 10 if the Ducks didn't change their style of play this season. Yeah, I, I, I just, I, I don't know. I was just blown away when I was listening to Elliot Freeman saying that. I was like, what? You have to be kidding me here, you know? And this is just not with the, re, you know, recovery stuff and the surgery stuff. I'm like, yeah, there's no way, especially, you know, still Murray was a GM at that time. There's no way that that would happen. Uh, with these guys and I wouldn't make that trade anyways I'm like are you crazy and you know like we said they ended up going to Vegas but of course Vegas is our division Eddie which kind of stings yeah like I definitely wouldn't make this trade for Eichel uh, I'd make this trade for McDavid I, uh, yeah of course McDavid that'd be easy but I, I meant to say dry uh, side I'd make this trade for McKinnon I'd make this trade for uh, Alexander Barkov in Florida I'd make this trade for but definitely not for Eichel. It's just crazy. Um, I think it'd have been fair. Drysdale first and a roster player, maybe a second round pick. That would have been fair, a fair trade for uh, Eichel. But definitely not uh, Zegers, Drysdale, and two first round picks. Even just trading Zegers and Drysdale by themselves, and not even including those picks, still would have been kind of iffy for me uh, on that level. Yeah, I, putting. Uh, I mean, I think that was the issue that we had talked about before that the Ducks were saying too is that. They had talked, there was rumors about this earlier on that, oh, Buffalo was looking at Zegers and Drysdale. I was like, hell no, they're not They're not going to go with both of these guys. Just, just stop. If you're going to ask for one, okay, like you said, you can ask for one, maybe a first round pick and like somebody else or something like that. But you're asking for both these guys, nah. That, that, that to me is like automatic, nope, sorry, bye, see ya. Uh, yeah, yeah, click. Talk to tone, hang up. Like no, I, I just that that's insane to me. So um, yeah, no. So anyways, th that resurfaced again. Just wanted to bring it up. And uh, the other thing that came up too is uh, the ESPN coverage. 
Uh, I didn't mention it when we talked about the Arizona game, but a lot of you are not happy with ESPN+. And I don't blame you. Um, that last game was very, very terrible. I posted the screenshot of it going out, and they, you know, we didn't see a lot of the second period there because it went out. The audio kept going in and out, sound like they were in a cave. It was very echoey. Uh, I posted the one photo too, where it looked like you know we're watching hockey in the '90s, right? That the the photo was just very pixelated. It looked like trash, and I and I don't like to harp on uh, you know these other companies that do this stuff. I, I'm not a big fan of that, but. But, I mean, dude, that was just unacceptable. That game against Arizona was bad. Uh, and I know a lot of you don't like Weeks or Hextall uh, or whatever. I know there's that whole issue, too. We've talked about that. But all that combined, um, I guess the only good thing about it was it was in the, in the part of the second period when there was, like, no scoring, Eddie. So I guess that at least that issue happened at, not during the first period when, like, all the action was going on and not in the third period when, when more stuff was going on. But, man, um, what a what a shit show that was too for ESPN. You know, uh, I like when Bukaras is on there. That was fantastic when he was on for that Ducks game. But uh, man, uh, other than that, this this last one they gotta they really gotta get their stuff together. Oh yeah, ESPN's horrible. I, I've never been a fan of ESPN at all. I was like really disappointed when I found out they were gonna uh, be uh, covering these games for hockey. It was just, I knew what ESPN, I, I, I know their coverage and how horrible it is. Leo Hextall, she should never call games at all. Like I, I don't know if, yes, I know you wanna add diversity and you wanna bring in uh, female commentators. There's a bunch of other female commentators you can bring in that actually know the game and that doesn't butcher it and stuff like that. She needs to go, she, she needs to do something else because she definitely can't call a game at all. And that just gets, frustrating for the point that i'm muting games i know a lot of other fans i see on twitter say the same thing you're muting the games you're a play-by-play commentator and you can't get these players right uh their names right their positions right like calling them by their numbers oh number 67 like no come on like you have no business being there i know you cover uh you're up there covering a bunch of other teams but if you can't do that right then you have no business being there but you know what it only speaks of what espn's coverage is because they're just terrible. And you know, the whole thing is, too, you want to grow the game. You want to elevate the sport. How many people went out on Friday night and weren't able to watch the Ducks game live out at the bar or something? Because they weren't playing it. It was blacked out from Bally's. So these lo- these restaurants and bars weren't able to play it unless they had ESPN or uh, our Hulu streaming device, which a lot of these bars and restaurants don't. So a lot of fans couldn't go out and enjoy watching the games. So they're kind of limited to that. That makes zero sense to me. Yeah, I get ESPN, Hulu are having the coverage, but why black it out and why kind of limit like other fans from watching? Like a lot of fans have streaming devices, so I know it's uh, for people that don't have cable or, or satellite. It's cool having ESPN and Hulu air these games because you could watch the game on your streaming device. But then, I don't know, these blackouts are, are getting ridiculous, too. And it's just, it's just I, I don't know, like, what was the point of them having ESPN if you're not going to be able to, like, have everyone inclusively watch these games. And it's frustrating to watch. I know the Ducks are playing a hell of a, a great brand of hockey and not everyone's being able to watch it. I know I, I bitch about this a lot, maybe every show, but I think it's something that needs to be brought up and, and needs to be talked about because... This game needs to grow. You should be able to watch teams like this. You have new fans seeing Zegris do that beautiful assist. They might be interested in watching the Ducks, but hey, they only have a streaming device, so they'll only be able to watch the Ducks, you know, in a handful of games. Uh, and, and because they're kind of limited to that, like they need to figure out something for to make it exclusive to everyone to watch these games, not only for the Ducks but other teams as well. Yeah, you're right. That's part of the issue too. Has been the coverage. Uh, there's other people that. 
I mean, you have to go buy that service, right? I have the Hulu one. That's why when I post the videos, I you know tag Hulu and whatnot. That's who I watch through. I don't, I don't, I don't pay for the ESPN Plus. I, I like for me, I like Hulu better just because of the stuff that they offer. But um, yeah, you have these problems with this, and uh, I know some of them. Uh, some of you out there have talked about just turning off the audio and listening to Dan Wood and Steve Carroll. And I don't, I, I don't blame you, you know, uh, for any any of the broadcasts, even if it's other people that are covering it, right? Because uh, the other night, what the Ducks were on TNT too. That was one of the other ones. So if you don't like that, then you know you can listen to them on the audio. Though the audio doesn't always 100% sync up with the TV, right? It depends on the delay and whatnot. But I know there's people out there doing that. So just very, very frustrating. That last game against Arizona just killed me. I, I, I was just getting so irritated with what was going on because nothing was going right. Like the picture didn't work. Then it came on. It wasn't, it wasn't clear. Then the audio kept going in and out. I was like, what are you guys doing on here? I, I mean, just frustrating. So it, it's tough. And, and there's still going to be some games that are going to be on there and, and whatnot. And I mean, all I can do is encourage you guys to, you know, send in your complaints to, to ESPN. Um, I don't know if they're going to listen. I mean, that, that's the sad part. Uh, whatever deal that they've got going on with the league. But um, it's unfortunate because it's one thing to have an announcer that you're kind of like, yeah, whatever. But then you have all these other issues going on. Um, it, I know some other people talked about, too, it's hard to do the replays and whatnot. And that's true, too. And I'm trying to, like, put the goals out there for you guys and everything. Like, they, the replays sometimes are very short. They don't show a lot. Um, and it is hard, I noticed, to try to go back and forth because I have AT&T for my regular um, TV stuff and I can always uh, you know, rewind stuff, go back and forth. Valley Sports is pretty good about showing the replays a bunch of different angles and I know some people don't like their coverage, but I mean, at least they show all the replays and, and different views with, uh, at least I use Hulu and I notice it, it's difficult to go back and find stuff and, and repost stuff. So a lot of times I'm trying to post things like right away as it happens and obviously you can't I don't always catch everything right away I don't have I don't have my phone like on sitting there <laughs> waiting to record um, though that Arizona game was crazy because I was trying to get all the fights and goals in that first period and I was able to get them but I'm not, not gonna lie it was difficult with the Hulu thing because of the um, it just I don't know there's just not as many replays and then the the rewind fast forward function uh, on there when you're trying to do it as opposed to regular TV, it, it doesn't make it easy. It, it's very difficult. And I don't like the limited number of views. Uh, usually on like Valley Sports, um, when they score a goal, you usually see like two or three angles. And on ESPN, it seems like sometimes they show maybe like one angle or something or, or a partial angle and then a second one or something. So I, I don't want to go on and on about this but i know it's a question that a lot of you guys raised uh to me because I, I saw your comments uh obviously didn't like what was going on with the ducks losing to arizona but uh, you know a lot of you guys were frustrated with that coverage on that game so uh, i would just you know email call whatever you could do to tell ESPN to get their their crap together but um it's frustrating eddie i i, I thought hopefully it was going to be okay this season with them and and it's been disappointing. I, I hate to say it, but that's just been the case. Yeah, I couldn't think uh, any platform could be like worse than, than NBC was because like M like NBC had a lot of issues too. But then I, I know they were transitioning and wanted to have a streaming service, Peacock, and wanted the games posted on there. So I, and then I don't know the the whole league went to this 
another streaming service that just posting the games on their platform. So it's kind of like the same thing. I guess whoever whoever offered the most money. Um, not to keep being like negative, so we'll just kind of like talk about something positive. I think uh, NHL on TNT has been doing a fantastic job this season. I, they're fun to watch. I think that they're like hitting the nail on the mark, and and they should. Uh, I think they should cover a lot more games. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I do like what TNT has been doing. I, I think they have been better, and I'm still a fan of Valley Sports. I, I think they've been doing all right. I know some people don't. I think they've been fine, you know, because when they switched over from Fox Sports West, I was like, oh, man, what is this? What's going on? And I, I think that's been good. I, I like the coverage uh, on there, um, the way that they're doing. I know some people are, are maybe tired of certain people on there and stuff, but I think overall uh, Valley Sports has been doing well. And, yeah, I'm with you. I, you know, if the Ducks are on TNT more often, uh, I'd be all for that, Eddie. Oh yeah, well, well, Zegers has to keep making those plays to get more coverage next season. If he keeps getting those like highlight real plays, then they're going to see hopefully more TNT coverage or, or more coverage like that. Hopefully, no, uh, not much ESPN or, or or Hulu coverage. We'll take less of that and more of TNT. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, probably the last thing we'll wrap up. We've kind of talked about this before, but we had uh, the view dot the life. Um, he was talking about uh, the spinning chiclet show. With Biz and Whitney talking about Anaheim's uniform logo needing a rebranding. And I don't know if it's necessarily a rebranding, Eddie, with this team that they need to do. I, you know, if they want to go back to the Mighty Ducks, per se, or whatever. And it was funny. I was going through my jerseys this last week. Uh, I was cleaning out my garage. It's a, it's a mess. Probably like a lot of you at home. You have stuff everywhere. But I have I have a cabinet that I had a friend make for me and it has a lot of sports jerseys in there. And, uh, I was going through them, you know, I just got that ugly duck sweater, the new one, the orange one, which I, I love it. I think it's hilarious. I'm going to wear it to my Christmas parties, uh, coming up at the end of this week. It's fantastic. I, I think that's the best one. Some of the other ones they had were kind of so, so, but I, I'm all with the orange Jersey. I, I like it. You know, we've seen the ducks wearing it more this season, right? They've been playing a lot of games with it. I'm fine with them making that the home Jersey, uh, keeping the white one is the uh, away. Uh, we've kind of talked about that. Or, or if you're going to keep the white and the black with the web D, then then making another third jersey with um, the logo. I was looking through them too, and it was just kind of interesting looking at the different jerseys that the Ducks have had throughout the years. I, I do like that one that they had in the mid '90s, where it had the uh, the purple and black Anaheim Mighty Ducks. It was just the words on it, which is very unique, uh, different. Uh, that one's hard to find the the, the coho jersey um, you know that that's one option I, I thought you know I wasn't a big fan of the wild wing jersey I like the original I have both you know and the original is a pain in the ass to find I, I like that one because I liked it being more green than white I, and we've and we've gone over this we talked about the new one how it was watered down in terms of the quality we told you guys don't don't buy the authentic it's just really adding a fight strap it's not as you just buy the replica it's the same damn thing and you're saving yourself a bunch of money so um, but that, that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, if they took that third jersey, the orange one, I, I love them playing that. They made that the home jersey. I would be good with that. Uh, but if not, maybe you know some kind of retro. Uh, you know, the 25th anniversary was was cool. Uh, I like that. Um, I don't know. What, what do you think? Uh, you know, they talked about it on on the Spitting Chicklets podcast. Do you think they should like totally rebrand it, or or, or like re re recycle? I guess it would be the correct term. What do you think? 
Yeah, probably recycle. I'm good with the Anaheim Ducks. I'm not, you know, it's, I I don't think we should bring the, the Anaheim Mighty Ducks back. It's that that's been dead for a while. I think Anaheim Ducks has a good ring to it. We're all used to it. I like it. I, I I'm fine with the current jerseys they have right now, with the orange being the third. I, I know they're wearing a lot more this season. Um, I do want to see them incorporate more jerseys, uh, and the league should should kind of like do what basketball does. Basketball has a bunch of like different jerseys. It's, it's kind of cool to see sometimes. Like I watch the I watch the games with my buddy, and like they're always wearing some kind of different jersey, and some of them look really badass. But d- definitely a, a third jersey and um, kind of a like you said a retro jersey. You don't have to do anything. Just bring back the old purple, but the purple one with the Mighty Ducks logo on it, and boom, you're golden. Just make it the Adidas version, and boom, you have a lot of sales. Everyone's happy. The the, the fans that want that old logo back have it. The fans that don't want the old logo, old logo back will just have it. Uh, with a handful of games and bring that back and start incorporating all these other jerseys too you have that beautiful that that black coho one mighty ducks one i'd love to see that in a game uh i haven't seen like that jersey in a long time that'd be cool to see things like that to start incorporating more um how come the 25th anniversary jersey was only one season that was a beautiful jersey too i'd love to see more of that jersey um I, yeah i want to see them like go to making more of these jerseys and making it more options for teams to wear them um, you have your your military and cancer night jerseys. Why not, why not let them play in those jerseys? I think they're pretty nice. When they auction them off, the fans it's even that much more special that they're game worn and not just uh, over here warm up worn. I, I'm not trying to go like too crazy like the ECHL or the AHL does, but at least make some more options. Make it fun for the players. Make it fun for the fans because you're not only wearing that same jersey every other time. And you want more revenue for the league. You start putting these jerseys up, you're going to get more revenue. Uh, one thing too with the reverse retro, I wasn't too fond on the, the Anaheim Ducks one, the Wild Wing version, but the Colorado Avalanche one had a, probably the best reverse retro out there, and it, it's a shame that we're not seeing that more. Other teams had some pretty good reverse retros too. It's a shame that we're not seeing those this season, especially when you had all the fans back this season and last season when you had only a select few uh, teams that had the fans only for a few games, and you, you were only able to see those jerseys like once if you're like lucky but it, like other fans didn't get to see them live at all so i want to see the, the league and teams do more of that style but as far as changing what the ducks have right now i'm good with with their current uh, home away and third jersey i just want them to add to that list yeah you know you touched on that colorado one and i think we talked about this too because colorado played vegas and i like that vegas red jersey i still haven't gone and gotten one yet i, I like that one too and I, I thought that was a good matchup because you had the quebec nordiques uh jersey right and that one is i thought that was fantastic i, I remember i liked the calgary flames one that, that one was another good one that was out there i liked the vegas one because i like red red's one of my favorite colors so i liked how that looked so i'm with you too like even if the the ducks they just keep everything as is or like other teams as well. But yeah, if you, you have those jerseys and you play, that'd be great. And and you're right. Like certain nights they have like the cancer night and they have like the black and, and purple uh, Ducks jersey, but they don't play in it. Like it would be kind of cool to see them do that. Um, you see that in some of the minor league teams. I have the, the goals jersey for veterans that I got and they, they play in that one, right? With the stars and stripes. And it's like, it's really awesome. Like I, I think that's a great touch. You know, even if it's only for a couple games or one game or whatever. So, yeah, I I, I wish they'd do a little bit more with that. Um, you know, I, I I don't have any more room for jerseys, but you know, why not just buy some more and clog, clog up my area? I I, I have too many. I, my wife gets on me about that. That's like my one thing is like I'm a I'm a jersey uh what um what a fanatic I guess Eddie. <laughs> 
Yeah, same here. So I have like like one half of my closets uh, all full of my hockey jerseys. I have like majority. I have like forty something jerseys. So like majority of them are Ducks ones, and then I have a, a good amount of Avalanche ones too. So it's just I, I like collecting jerseys. I'm always scouring eBay to find some like, good deals on them. So like I can't sit there and cough up two three hundred bucks a jersey here and there. Like especially all the jerseys I have. So I found some killer deals on eBay for these jerseys. Or I just found killer deals just looking around. Uh, Yard sales too. I found a couple of jerseys, so th- that's always fun to do. But yeah, I love them. I, I I try to wear them as much as possible when I go out. If it's a, a Ducks game, I know I'm going to go to the bar and watch it. I'll throw a jersey on, especially a jersey I haven't worn in a while. You'll rarely see me wear the white jerseys because I get clumsy sometimes when I drink, and I don't want to spill it and ruin it. So I rarely wear like the light colored jerseys, but like the like the black ones I always wear. Just if they get dirty, they're kind of easy not to spot. Yeah, I'm with you on that too. The white ones, I for some reason I always get like a stain or something, so I always try to wear the darker ones for sure. So, so with that, uh, you know, wrap up the show. Uh, hope everybody has a, a good Christmas, a uh, good New Year's. You know, look forward to next year. Um, I appreciate some of you guys reaching out to me. I posted something on Facebook about going through some stuff. Everything's good. Uh, you know, just like everybody else, it's just it's been a rough, uh, I guess, two years now. Sadly, uh, unfortunately, so. Uh, I do plan to go, uh, hopefully if everything stays normal, not this week, but next week, I, I plan to go to Vegas for that duck game on New Year's against the Knights, so you'll hear me talking about that and post that, so I'm excited to go and check that out, and um, we'll probably just have another show once the New Year starts, because I mean, they're not going to have a whole lot of games, they're just going to have a couple games that week, I mean, again, everything's up in the air, so we'll have to see what happens. Um, and I am planning to try to do some watch parties in 2022. I'm trying to work out some things. Uh, I'm not sure where. We have a couple places in mind, so I'm looking into that, and we'll see what we can do. And uh, just don't forget about uh, we have buckedup.com to get some discounts and, and get some stuff. The Eddie uses that, uh, Ducks and Pucks 93 for a discount. And then there's also Z Stack Life for your uh, vitamin needs, a good multivitamin. You can actually um, put in my name, Mike, and you get a discount. Uh, there, so I work that out as well. So a couple things to look forward to. We'll have more giveaways too. We'll announce the the gets off puck uh, giveaway here shortly. So uh, from Eddie and I, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and let's go Ducks.